Chapter 8 of Gold in the Sky by Alan E. Norse. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Scavengers of Space The casual observer might have been fooled. Towney's guard was down only for an instant. Then the expression of cold fury and determination on his face dropped away, as though the shutter of a camera had clicked, and he was all smiles and affability. They were honored guests here, one would have thought, and this pudgy agent of the Jupiter Equilateral Combine was their genial host, anxious for their welfare, eager to do anything he could for their comfort. They were amazed by the luxuriousness of the ship. For the next few hours they received the best treatment, sumptuous accommodations, excellent food. They were finishing their second cup of coffee when Towney asked, "'Feeling better, gentlemen?' "'You do things in a big way,' Johnny said. "'This is real coffee, made from grounds. "'Must have cost a fortune to ship it out here.' "'Towney spread his hands. "'We keep it for special occasions, "'like when we have special visitors.' "'Even when the visitors aren't voluntary?' "'Greg added sourly. "'We have to be realistic,' Towney said. "'Would you have come if we invited you?' "'Of course not.' You gentlemen chose to come out to the belt in spite of my warnings. You made things very awkward for us, upset certain of our plans. He looked at Greg. We don't ordinarily allow people to upset our plans, but now we find we're forced to include you in our plans, whether you happen to like the idea or not. You're doing a lot of talking, Greg said. Why don't you come to the point? Towney was no longer smiling. We happen to know that your father struck a rich load in one of his claims. That's interesting, Greg said. Did Dad tell you that? He didn't have to. A man can't keep a secret like that. Not for very long. Ask your friend here if you don't believe me. And we make it our business to know what's going on out here. We have to in order to survive. Well, I suppose you heard right. The law says what a man finds on his own claim is his. Certainly, Towney said. Nobody would think of claim jumping, these days. But when a man happens to die before he can bring in his bonanza, then it's a question of who gets there first, wouldn't you think? Not when the man is murdered, Greg said hotly. Not by a long shot. But you can't prove that your father was murdered. If I could, I wouldn't be here. Then I think we'll stick to the law, Towney said, and call it an accident. And what about my brother? Was that an accident? Ah, yes, your brother. Towney's eyes hardened. Quite a different matter, that. Sometimes Doc tends to be overzealous in carrying out his assigned duties. I assure you that he has been disciplined. That's not going to help Tom very much. Unfortunately not, Towney said. Your brother made a very foolish move under the circumstances. But from a practical point of view, perhaps it's not entirely a tragedy. What do you mean by that? From what I've heard, Towney said, you didn't have much use for your twin brother, and now you certainly won't have to share your father's legacy. It was too much. With a roar, Greg swung at the little fat man. The blow caught Towney full in the jaw, "'jerked his head back. "'Greg threw his shoulder into a hard left, "'slamming Towney back against the wall. 
The guard charged across the room, dragging them apart as Towney blubbered and tried to cover his face. Greg dug his elbow into the guard's stomach, twisted away, and started for Towney again. Then Johnny caught his arm and spun him around. Stop it, he snapped. Use your head, boy. Greg stopped, glaring at Towney and gasping for breath. The company man picked himself up, rubbing his hand across his mouth. For a moment he trembled with rage. Then he gripped the table with one hand, forcibly regaining his control. He even managed a sickly smile. Just like your father, he said. Too hot-headed for your own good. But we'll let it pass. I brought you here to make you an offer, a very generous offer, and I'll still make it. I'm a businessman. When I want something I want, I bargain for it. If I have to share a profit to get it, I share the profit. All right, you know where your father's strike is. We want it. We can't find it, so you've got us over a barrel. We're ready to bargain. Greg started forward. I wouldn't bargain with you for... Shut up, Greg, Johnny said. Greg stared at him. The big miner's voice had cracked like a whip. Now he was drawing Merrill Towney aside, speaking rapidly into his ear. Towney listened, shot a venomous glance across at Greg, and finally added, All right, he said, but I can't wait forever. You won't have to. Towney turned to the guard. You have your orders, he said. There to have these quarters and the freedom of the ship, except for the outer level. They're not to be harmed. They're not to be out of your sight except when they're locked in here. Is that clear? The guard nodded. Towney looked at Johnny and started for the door, still rubbing his jaw. We'll talk again later, he said, and then he was gone. When the guard had left and the lock buzzed in the door, Johnny looked at Greg and shook his head sadly. You just about fixed things, boy. You really did. You've got to use your head if you want to stay alive a while. That's all. Look, there isn't going to be any bargaining with Towney. He just doesn't work that way. It's heads he wins, tails we lose. Once he has what he wants, we won't last six minutes. All right, then there's just one thing that can keep us alive, stalling him. We've got to make him think he'll give in if he plays his cards right. Greg was silent for a minute. I hadn't thought of it that way. And we've got to use the time we have to find out some way to break for it. Johnny stood up, staring around the luxurious lounge. If you want my opinion, it's going to take some pretty fancy footwork to get out of here with our skins. True to his word, Towney had given them the freedom of the ship. Greg and Johnny discovered that their guard was also an excellent guide. All day he had been leading them through the ship, chatting and answering their questions about asteroid mining, until they almost forgot they were really prisoners here. And the guard's obvious pride in the scope and skill of his company's mining operations was strangely infectious. Watching the Jupiter equilateral ship in operation, Greg felt his heart sink. Here was a huge, powerful organization, with all the equipment and men and know-how they could ever need. How could one man, or two or three in a team, hope to compete with them? For the independent miner, 
The only hope was the big strike, the single load that could make him rich. He might work all his life without finding it, and then stumble upon it by sheer chance. But if he couldn't keep it when he found it, then what? What if the great mining company became so strong that they could be their own law in the belt? What if they grew strong enough and powerful enough to challenge the United Nations on Mars itself and gain control of the entire mining industry? What chance would the independent miner have then? It was a frightening picture. Suddenly, something began to make sense to Greg. He realized something about his father that he had never known before. Roger Hunter had been a miner, yes, but he had been something else, too. Something far more important than just a miner. Roger Hunter had been a fighter, fighting to the end for something he believed in. Towney interrupted Greg's thought. Quite an operation, he said. Greg looked at him. So I see. And very efficient, too. Our men have everything they need to work with. We can mine at far less cost than anyone else. But you still can't stand the idea of independent miners working the belt, Greg said. Towney's eyebrows went up. Why not? There's lots of room out here. Our operation with Jupiter Equilateral is no different from an independent miner's operation. We aren't different kinds of people, Towney smiled. When you get right down to it, we're both exactly the same thing. Scavengers in space, vultures picking over the dead remains to see what we can find. We come out to the asteroids, and we bring back what we want and leave the rest behind. And it doesn't matter whether we've got one ship working or four hundred. We're still just scavengers. With just one difference, Greg said, turning away from the view screen. Difference? Greg nodded. Even vultures don't kill their own, he said. Later, when they were alone in their quarters again, Greg and Johnny stared at each other gloomily. Didn't you see anything that might help us? Greg said. Not much. For an orbit ship, this place is a fortress. I got a good look at that scout ship coming in. It was armed to the teeth. Probably they all are, and they're keeping a guard now at every airlock. So we're sewed up tight, Greg said. Looks that way. They've got us, boy, and I think Towney's patience is wearing thin, too. We're either going to have to produce or else. But what can we do? Start bluffing. It seems to me we're just about bluffed out. I mean talk business, Johnny said. Tell Towney what he wants to know. When we don't know any more than he does, how? Johnny Coombs scratched his jaw. I've been thinking about that, he said slowly and I wonder if we don't know a whole lot more than we think we do. Like what? Greg said. We've all been looking for the same thing, a big strike, a bonanza load. Townie's men have raked over every one of your dad's claims, and they haven't turned up a thing. Johnny looked at Greg. Makes you wonder a little, doesn't it? Your dad was smart, but he was no magician. And how does a man go about hiding something like a vein of ore? I don't know, Greg said. It doesn't seem possible. It isn't possible, Johnny said flatly. There's only one possible explanation, and we've been missing it all along. 
Whatever he found, it wasn't an oar strike. It was something else, something far different from anything we've been thinking of. Greg stared at him. But if it wasn't an oar strike, what was it? I don't know, Johnny said. But I am sure of one thing. It was something important enough that he was ready to die before he'd reveal it. And that means it was important enough that Townie won't dare kill us until he finds out what it was. End of chapter 8